Oh, let's see here. Uh, just to kind of give you a pre... Uh, well, just to let you know what's coming up the next few weeks, uh, this series will end in um, well, the last Sunday of this month, so we just have three more sessions. And uh, for those of you who are uh, new or visiting with us, we've been going through a series over the past several months that have examined issues that have been relevant to the uh, debate surrounding the moral decline of, our, of the United States or of our country. And at the heart of every one of the issues that we've discussed is really the matter of uh, moral absolutes, which in simple terms means basically this. Are there still areas of human behavior that are absolutely wrong regardless of the circumstances and all the good reasons why we do the things that we do? Are there some things that are still absolutely right and absolutely wrong? And that's really what we've tried to address as we've gone through the series, as we've taken a look at you know, issues throughout our culture that really revert back to that issue. Are there still some things that are wrong, no matter how we try to justify it, no matter how we try to explain it away? And uh, that's what we've been discussing. And probably no issue is more relevant uh, than the issue that we're going to talk about today, which is uh, the right to life. Now, the right to life, now I know some of you are thinking, well, this is going to be another uh, you know, anti-abortion message or something similar to that. And, and I realize that you know, some of you think that, well, we have a Sanctity of Life Sunday you know, every January, so why would we need to discuss this more than once a year? But in reality, when you, when you stop and think about what's involved in this, uh, I'd really like to challenge you to consider that it's an issue, this particular issue, the issue of the right to life, affects everything in our culture. It affects everything that we will discuss, and I'll, I think I can demonstrate as we go through it. But our country's moral decline is directly related to our culture's viewpoint about life. Consider this. Let me ask you some questions. What are some of the burning issues or the, the hot buttons of controversy in our culture today? Think about it. What are some of the things that just plaster... Uh, news articles, newspapers, magazines, uh, television shows, news reports. What are some of the burning issues or the hot buttons that you and I are made aware of almost every day? Wait now. See, now usually I can't get you to participate at all. Now you're all getting excited about it because you want to make sure you just jump right in there and you get the first answer, you know. All right, now let's start. Let's, let's do this again now. Okay. Okay, child abuse, health care, health care, gay rights, illegal immigration, racism, yeah, OJ, you know, the OJ situation, yeah, and, and OJ, really, that, that whole situation relates to many issues, if you think about it, capital punishment, capital punishment uh, the death penalty, um, uh, yeah, homosexuality, which we mentioned, what? The class test, yeah, that, that's all part of it. Youth, well, the class test has to do with, you know, there, you know, there's no right or wrong answers. Everything is subjective, but nothing's objective anymore. Two plus two doesn't equal four, and even if it does, who cares? It's more important how you feel about it. Um, <laughs> right? I mean, that's what it comes down to. Um, yeah, euthanasia. Uh, Dr. Kevorkian. Pardon me? Abortion. Um, spouse abuse. What else? Pardon me? What? The deficit. Oh, the government. Well, which is an amazing thing, considering that the government doesn't have any money, but we're going to give all this stuff away for free. Now, I don't know how that works at your house, but it doesn't work real well for us. But then again, if we can get the class test pushed throughout our school system, maybe someday you can give something away that you never had. Maybe we've just not been thinking this thing right. Um, that was facetious. Um, Escalating crime, crimes against persons, crimes against property, um, at really a rampant level if you think about it. So th think of all of those things that we're bombarded with every day, and, you know, and, and we're dealing with things that, man, I'm sounding big. I'm sounding big now, huh? Oh, good. Well, I'm feeling it this morning. I ate my Wheaties. Um, how about things like selective breeding? Population control, ethnic cleansing, informed decisions, parental consent, 
We talked about euthanasia, how about forced sterilization, the whole argument of quality of life versus really right to life, crimes against people. And all these things, as you take a look at them, these are issues that are filling the media every day. And as Christians, it's critical that we understand or we're informed so that we can have a positive influence in the world in which we live. We need to, in simple language, we need to know what we believe and we need to know why we believe it. And I'll guarantee you this. You see, if we're going to reach people around us, what it really comes down to is that we have to have some type of bridge to get across to be able to have a conversation or dialogue with that person who isn't going to come to church with you necessarily, doesn't want to talk about spiritual things necessarily, doesn't want to talk about God, doesn't want to talk about morality, doesn't want to talk about the Bible, doesn't want to talk about moral absolutes, but they will talk about health care. They will talk about euthanasia. They will talk about abortion. They will talk about um, spousal abuse. They will talk about child abuse. They will talk about all of these issues that I just mentioned. And if we can help them to see that every one of those issues are a symptom of an underlying root problem that is spiritual in, nat in nature, then you and I have an opportunity to reach people with an informed and, and educated and in uh, a biblical perspective of what's right and what's wrong. And that's really what, what I'm hoping to accomplish throughout this whole series is that we would have an opportunity to talk with people around us about current and relevant issues that gives us a, a chance to be able to share with them from a spiritual perspective, but really we're hiding it in something that they think is more topical in nature. And that's okay. And that's all right. And that didn't work. <laughs> Help me, Jim. Pardon me? You know, it's so dark in here, I can't even tell if it's up yet. <laughs> All right, here's some questions to consider. All right, let me ask you this. And this will kind of, I know it's not that. And this will kind of give you an idea of where we're heading. Do you personally believe that abortion is right or wrong? Don't answer it out loud, because I may ask you why. Do you believe that abortion is right or wrong? And if you believe it's wrong, then why? If you believe it's right, then why? If you believe it's you know, right sometimes, then which times? Do you believe that uh, there are times when it might be right? Do you believe that murder is right or wrong? Or does it all depend on the situation again? Are there times when it's right or are there times when it's wrong? Do you believe that, uh, how, well, how about this doctor, you know, Dr. Kevorkian? Do you believe what he advocates is right or wrong? Are, you know, there are people who think that he's an angel of mercy. There are others that think he's a doctor of death. Doctor death. Do you believe that what he does is right or, or wrong? And why? Is there anything wrong with killing yourself if it's to protect your family from the pain of seeing you suffer? Or because you personally don't enjoy the quality of life that you once did? Is this relevant? Well... August 2nd, in the newspaper, ailing elderly couple in Garden Grove kills themselves. It says, when Diane Clark arrived at her grandparents' home Sunday night and discovered mail in the box and Saturday's newspaper in the driveway, she knew something must be wrong. Because her 85-year-old grandfather always read the morning paper and her grandmother, who was 90, would greet the mailman at the door looking for those sweepstakes entries. I was just hoping to hear the TV, she said. That was their time to watch the horse races. Clark found her grandparents in a small bathroom next to the kitchen, dead from self-inflicted gunshot wounds to their heads. The couple found two guns near the, the police found two guns near the couple. The strain of eroding health and independence had proved too much for the couple to bear, the relative said. A suicide note to the family asked the, the dozens of children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren for forgiveness and understanding. The note said, quote, My legs are failing and Margie's in a lot of pain. Please don't be mad at us, and please still love us. And at the end of the note, it said, love to you all. You believe it's okay to help take the life of a person that asks you for help in taking their life. You believe it's okay in taking your own life. Is it right or is it wrong to murder someone that you believe to be a murderer? 
very relevant issue as we look at the uh, recent murders in Florida of um, doctors that were performing abortion? Is there something inconsistent with a person who has a pro-life standpoint saying that this person deserves to die? Well, I mean, these are issues of morality that really are thought-provoking, and there's nothing more crucial than a fundamental right to life. Because if we're weak on this particular point, or we don't know what we believe and why we believe it, uh, then, and we don't understand what the biblical position is, we'll falter on every other moral issue and fail to stand strong for what is right. We need to understand that the basic right to life goes far beyond just speaking of abortion, because it does relate to that, but it goes into every area of life. The Constitution of our country makes this bold declaration. The framers penned these words. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, and that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving the just powers from the governed. I want you to stop and think about this because it's a timeless truth that doesn't find its authority in the, in the ideas of men, but is taken directly from what God's perspective is from the Word of God. The authority of that statement is found in Scripture. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Anybody could see it, that all men are created equal and they're endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. They're self-evident. You look around, it doesn't take someone with some major degrees to figure out that people deserve the right to life, that God has given them life, regardless of age, physical or mental condition, regardless of skin color, regardless of education or religious beliefs or lack of religious beliefs, these truths are self-evident. But something tragically has gone wrong in our country because human life has been redefined and devaluated by the current moral crisis. If you stop and think about everything we talked about, murder, rape, abortion, euthanasia, kidnapping, abuse, all these things that plague our country, how did these things happen in such a short period of time? When, think about it, 25 years ago, or when I was a kid growing up in Pennsylvania, we could go outside and we could sleep outside. We could sleep out in the woods and no one ever worried about it. We could go and we, and we can get on our bikes and we can go for the day and no one was ever concerned where we were, where we went, or what time, you know, just so they knew what time we'd be back. Would you let your kids do that today? Who heard of drive-by shootings 25 years ago? I mean, who heard of abortion clinics propping up like big business or franchises 25 years ago? Who heard of people that were, were going around helping people kill themselves 25 years ago? I mean, you stop and think about it. Who heard of random kidnappings? They were isolated and they happened, but, but did they happen to the degree and frequency that we see today? I mean, who heard of all these things? The right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness? The right to life, the right to liberty, the right to freedom, to be able to freely walk the streets of our country and not worry about someone stealing your car and knocking you over the head, robbing you, shooting you, raping you, date rape. Who heard of this stuff? It happened, but not like it's happening now. And, and you've got to ask yourself a question. What in the world is going wrong in our country? And if you're thinking along those lines, I'm glad that you are because that's what we're going to deal with to a certain degree. And I think that if we get back to the fact that what we see is really symptomatic of a greater root cause or deeper root cause, there's some biblical issues that we have to understand in order to better understand what's happening in our culture. Once we understand, and there's just going to be three of them this morning, once we understand these three biblical issues... I think that it will lay a foundation and shed light so that we can then discuss things like abortion and euthanasia and uh, things like kidnapping and abuse and rape and murder and, and, and be able to discuss it in a way that we can make a difference in the communities in which we find ourselves. We can articulate God's perspective in a clear-cut, understanding way. Because you know what's con concerning to me is that many times as Christians, we don't even know what we believe. And when we're challenged by it, we begin to advocate, advocate things that are wrong biblically, 
And you may be the only Christian that that person ever has a conversation with about the subject, and they walk away thinking, it's okay. You see how, how, how dangerous that is? We've got to be very careful because whether you recognize it or not, if someone knows you're a Christian, then they think that you are giving them a perspective that's different from everybody else that they talk to. They might not come to you and say, can you give me a biblical perspective of this? Or what does God have to say? They're not going to say that, but you know what they're coming to you for? Because they may know, hopefully, by the way you conduct yourself and the way you live your life, that you're different than all the other people around them. They may come to you seeking counsel or trying to get an answer to something that's troubling them in their life, and they're not going to come to you and say, I know that you're different, and I know, please tell me. They don't want to risk that, but they will say, can I talk to you for a minute? And you're thinking, why do they want to talk to me? Because God brought them to you, and you need to know what you're saying. And so it's very interesting if we're to be ambassadors for Christ and represent what God has to say in all these areas of life, we've got to be very careful that what I say truly reflects what God says. If I'm an ambassador that goes to another nation and say, what do you think about this situation, and I'm a representative of someone else, I've got to be very careful to make sure that I only say what I'm told to say as a representative. Well, we're going to come in and we're going to supply this or that or we're going to come in and we're going to bomb you. But that's not what, I, that's not what my country says. That's just my personal feeling. Oh, excuse me, but you know, you're kind of throwing things off a little bit. So we've got to be very careful that we understand biblical issues. So we'll take a look at three of them. Number one, what's happened in America? Well, I really believe this is true. The first problem that we run into is that we have forgotten that God creates human life. We really have. We have forgotten the first thing when you think about the questions that we're asking, well, how does this happen or what's going on? We have forgotten a very basic premise, and that is that God is the creator of human life. You know, sometimes when, when just all, there's all chaos in your life, have you ever had days like that? When there's just like everything's going out of control. You've got to stop and just call a time out. Now, having played sports, been involved in sports, if you have or whatever, you know, there are times where it's like you sit on the sidelines and watch this breakdown and you say, this is a good place for them to call a timeout. Now, I don't know if it'll be a full one or just a 20, but they better call a timeout right now because the wheels are falling off the wagon. So, you know, think about it. The wheels are falling off the wagon of America and it's a good time just to call a timeout, stop to consider some fundamental issues and try to understand how they relate to the topics that we just mentioned and all those, all those things that are going on in our country. So we'll call a timeout, reevaluate some fundamentals, and the problem is most of us don't do that. Why does human life seem to be of so little value in our society? Why are all the social problems that we've already mentioned are accelerating at such an alarming rate? Could it be, is it possible, that the root problem is that we have forgotten that God is the creator of human life? We've lost sight of the fact that the framers of our Constitution declared these things to be self-evident. They knew it. They understood it. They could easily see it. But you know what? We don't see it like that anymore. If you've got your Bibles, let's just kind of refresh ourselves on some very basic fundamental stuff. In Genesis chapter 1, no better place to start than the beginning if you're going to talk about fundamentals. But in Genesis chapter 1, look at what the Bible has to say. I, you know what? I love this because it's real easy to understand. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Did I lose anybody yet? All right, good. Now keep on going. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And guess what happened? There was light. We've got cause, we've got effect. We've got creator, we've got creation. As Paul said, we've got the potter and we've got the clay. We've got everything that we need to understand. God said, then there was. And God saw the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. And God, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. 
And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above, and it was so. And God called the expanse heaven, and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Okay? Everyone following it so far? Okay, I don't, I don't mean to, you know, kind of make this too obvious, but God called, he said in verse 9. Then he said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place, let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas, and God saw that what? It was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit, fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind, and seed in them on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit, and with seed in them after their kind. And God said, that was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. Okay, are you following basically what's going on here? Now, here's the important thing. As we look around the world that we live in, I think it's time that we begin to recognize the fact that everything that we see is created by God. Psalms tells us the heavens are created, or the heavens declare the handiwork of God. As we look around at everything that God has made, it is a reminder to us of who is the creator and who and what is the creation. So as we go through it, now let's go down to verse 26. So God finishes creating everything that we see, and in verse 26 we read this. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, and let them, speaking of mankind, rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over the cattle, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. And fill the earth and subdue it. And rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Then God said, Behold, I have given to you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth. And every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth and every bird of the sky and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw that all that he had made, and behold, it was very good. There was evening, and there was morning. There was a sixth day. Man, there are so many fundamental truths that we could go into in this particular section, but what I want to concentrate on is the very, the, the very general picture of the fact that God created human life. God created us, men and women, in his image and his likeness. God created mankind to rule over everything else that he created. To have dominion, the Bible says, over everything else. To have a higher place in his creation than everything else that he created. And that was very good as opposed to all those things that were good. We were very good. And I like that. And the reason for it is, is because it will help us to understand what some of the problems are here as we deal with you know, our cultural decline. Basically, we need to get back to Genesis 2-7. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living thing. Job 33-4 says, The Spirit of God has made me. The breath of the Almighty gives me life. The Bible continue, continues to assume and to promote the idea that human life in the Bible is not defined by the functions of a human body. Because in James 2.26 it says that the, the body without the spirit is dead. See, it's not a matter of the quality of life. What separates human life from everything else is the sanctity of it, the sacredness of it, the fact that you and I as human beings were created in the image and after the likeness of God. We are different than everything else. And so as you stop and think about it, human life is different, it's radical, it's sacred from everything else that God created. And just going through the, the account in Genesis helps us to see that. God plainly points out that everything he created was good, but you and I were very good. That you and I were in authority over everything else. Now, let me just kind of run a couple of things by you. Why is it so important to get back in the focus? I believe that once we as a society forgot that it was God that created human life 
and started to fall for all the nonsense that man evolved from some slime or some ooze, or that we're all once upon a time monkeys, we lost sight of how special people are. Stop and think about it. When we forgot the children are a gift from God and started to devalue babies in a womb by referring to them as simply tissue, we sent a message throughout all of our society that human life is no more important than animal life or plant life or anything else around us. And in fact, oftentimes less important today in our culture. Crimes against people began to escalate. We've got children running around shooting one another and stabbing each other with just a total disregard for the value of life. And then we wonder why. And you've got to ask yourself the question, why not? How much self-worth does a piece of ooze or slime have? How valuable do you believe that you are, or the person sitting next to you, is if you believe that all they've done is evolve from some form of monkey? How valuable do you think that is? How valuable do you think you are, if that's what you think you are? When we lost sight of how special we are and how unique human life is, crimes against people began to escalate, and the victims of such viciousness were lost in a system that no longer punishes such crimes, but looks for some way to excuse the perpetrator's actions. You see, this affects every area of our life. And as a result, when you think about it, crime runs rampant and people become really imprisoned in their own homes. See, the right to life is not an individual's right to life. It is a gift from God, and the Bible clearly teaches it. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Psalm 139. Now, I'm trying to lay the foundation because this is critical in understanding what some of the problems are as we look around us. I mean, and we've all uttered words like that. It's like... People just don't care about people. Young people don't have any respect for their elders. They don't have any respect for their persons. They don't have any respect for their property. They don't have any respect for anything. Why is that? Because they don't realize that they have a greater accountability. They don't realize that when you mess with human life, you're messing with the one who created it. They don't realize that God is holding them accountable for their actions. Our society doesn't realize it. It goes much bigger than just me being accountable to you. While that may be true, but you know what? I think I can get away with it. If I can just get 12 people that feel sorry for me, I can get away with anything in this country. I can lie, cheat, steal, kill, maim, murder, rape, plunder, pillage. I can do all of it if I can just get 12 people who can feel sorry for me because of something that happened in my life. They're not going to hold me accountable. And so we think we're getting away with it. But when we realize it's God that created human life, and we realize that when we begin to mess with something or someone, in this case, that God created, that God loves, then we've got a greater accountability. And we step back and say, well, man, I don't care if I get off by some jury. I still got to answer to God. But if we can get people to stop believing that there is a God... And we can take God and throw him out of classrooms, and we can take him and throw him out of every one of our institutions, and we can take God and throw him out of our government. Yet when we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, and the purpose of government is instituted by men to make sure that they secure these rights. How far we have come in a short period of time. And so when you stop and you look at that, you go, what does the Bible teach about life? Psalm 139 clearly demonstrates what, what, what God's opinion is, what he says about it. Psalm 139, verse 13 through 16. For God, you formed, me in my, you formed my inward parts. Thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and I am wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one. What a wonderful psalm teaching about the creation of life by God. When our second, after we became Christians in 1978, our middle child Ryan was born. He was born in December of 1979. 
And I remember that we specifically, Linda and I, sat down and, and we came up with a birth announcement that highlighted this psalm as an announcement of Ryan's birth. And the reason that we did it was because it reminded us that Linda and I, my wife and I, do not create human life. While God used us as an instrument to create human life or to be a part of that process, in reality, we did not create our children. Do you understand how important this is to to recognize? We did not create our children. They are not our possessions. We cannot do with them as we please. They are on loan to us from God. We are a manager. We are really a guardian of God's children. If you left your children at our house for the weekend, we would have the same respect for them as we do for our own children. We would treat them exactly the same as we do our own children. We would love them, we would nourish them, we would nurture them, we would care for them, we'd be concerned for them, and we would also discipline them if they violated any principle that God says is wrong. See, we are caretakers of God's children. The attitude of possession is what's causing problems in our culture today. They're my kids, I can do with them as I please. It's my child in the womb. I'll do with it as I please. But I'm not going to call it a child because I don't want to recognize that. It's my fetal tissue in there or it's my whatever it is. But it's mine. I have the right to choose. You see, where that argument falls apart is is when we realize that, you know what? There isn't anybody on the face of this earth, no human being, that has the power to create life. None. Without a sperm, without an egg, you can't play games in laboratories. And one of the fascinating things with all the old horror movies and Frankenstein and stuff was, was the fascinating uh, obsession with men to try to create life. Man cannot create life. It is not ours to do with as we please. Life is a gift from God. God is the creator. And we are merely managers or caretakers or stewards of that gift. It's important that we understand that because what it does is it helps me to teach our children to respect all people, to hold all people with high regard and dignity, to respect them regardless of race, regardless of age, regardless of physical or mental condition, to have respect for every human being because that life is a gift from God and God created it. You and I cannot ridicule others because they are a creation of God. It doesn't matter how big or short, how, 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 what their skin color is. It doesn't make any difference. Any of those things make any difference because it's God that we're messing with. It's not some work of art that we can sit, sit back and make fun of. When we do that, we also insult the artist or the creator of it. You see, what's happening fundamentally in our culture is that we have forgotten that God has created human life. And we have also forgotten something that's, even, that's just as basic... And that is that, you know what, God also has control over it. God creates it. God controls it. Stop and think about this. God is the controller of human life. Now, as we go through this, you know, there there are secular humanists all around us who oppose the sanctity of human life and that they try to get us to buy into the quality of life argument. And the reason that they violently oppose the idea that God is sovereign or he's in control is because, if you stop and think about it, why would you oppose the fact that God is in control over human life? What would you have to do, number one? You have to recognize that there is a God. And number two, if you think about it, and we're recognizing the fact they're forced to recognize and accept that that it is God, then we also realize that it's God who has control over life and death and not man. So when you stop and struggle with all these things, notice a couple passages. Job 34, 14 and 15. So Job says, he says, you know what? If it were God's intention and he withdrew his spirit and breath, all mankind would perish together and man would return to the dust. You know, if it was God's intention and he just withdrew his breath, then we'd just all die. We'd be gone. Just like that. Just like when God spoke the earth into existence, he'd just speak us right out. See, it's not that hard for God to do. Why? Because he controls human life. And as we go through it, we also see in Colossians 1, 15 through 17, talking about Jesus, says that he is the image of the invisible God. He's the firstborn over all creation. 
For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him, all things were created for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He's got it all under control. He's got the whole world in his hands, as, as the old spiritual goes, and he really does. He's got it all under control. So now that forces us to start to deal with some very relevant issues. He's really in control. Hmm. What does that mean to you and I? If you got your Bibles, turn to the book of Daniel for a second. Daniel. In the book of Daniel, we see just some more clear revelation from God that he really is in control. Daniel 1, verse 27 through 23. No, I'm sorry, not 27 through 23. Uh, chapter 4. Well, let's look at chapter 2 for a second. Look at verse 17 through 23. In chapter 2, verses 17 through 23, we read this. Then Daniel went to his house and informed his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, about the matter, in order that they might request compassion from the God of heaven concerning this mystery, so that Daniel and his friends might not be destroyed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. Then the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a night vision. Then Daniel blessed the God of heaven, and he said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him. And it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. It is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. To thee, O God, my fathers, I give thanks and praise, for thou hast given me wisdom and power. Even now thou hast made known to me what we have requested, for thou hast made known to us the king's matter. What he was saying was the king had had a dream, and Daniel went before God with his friends and began to pray, Lord, reveal what the meaning of this dream is so that we're not killed with the rest of the wise men because they didn't know what was going on. And God said, no problem, I don't have a problem. I can tell you exactly what the dream was because I know everything. And so God revealed that to him. And Daniel, in a prayer to God and in a praise to God, said, God, I know you can do anything you want to do. I know that you lift kings up and take them down, that you're an authority, that you're the one with the ultimate power. Everything that's going on here on the face of the earth is within the control of God. God knows what's going on, and God's allowing it to happen for his purpose and for his glory. And in, in Daniel 2, we pick up the same, or Daniel 4, look at verse 17. Talking about the sentence that God had given to Nebuchadnezzar, he said, This sentence is by the decree of the angelic watchers, and the decision is a command of the holy ones, in order that the living may know that the Most High is the ruler over the realm of mankind, and he bestows, on, he bestows it on whom he wishes. It's God who is the ruler over the realm of mankind and bestows it on whomever he wishes. And later on, as Daniel was talking to Belshazzar, who was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, he said the same thing. He said, You know what? You think that you guys are in control. I'm just here to tell you that only God's in control. And the fact that you're a king, you're only a king because God's allowed you to be a king. And when you don't serve his purposes anymore, then you won't be a king. And it's a very humbling thought. Therefore, it's not our place, if you stop and think about it, for us to play God. Because God is God. As Christians, we are taught by Scripture that, and we've got to believe it, that human life is created by God and it's totally under his control. We don't need to play God. We don't need to pretend that we have control over life and death because we don't. God does. It's appointed for man to die once, then comes judgment. I mean, everything from before we were born to the day that we die. The Bible in Psalm 139 says God has appointed every day and he knows every day you and I are going to live even before we've ever lived one. He knows when we're going to be born because he created us. And he also knows when he's appointed for us to die because it's appointed by God. He's in total control of our life. And the wonderful thing about it is that it could either frustrate you or it can give you a total peace about it. Now stop and think about it. If God's in total control, does that mean he's involved in illness? Does that mean that God's involved in disease? Does that mean that God's involved in a physical challenge of some sort? A physical deformity? a mental deformity, that God's involved in someone who is born 
retarded, mentally retarded, or someone that, that is blind, or someone that can't hear, or someone that can't walk? Does that mean that, that God's involved in all that and he knows that that's the case and he's allowing it to happen? See, is that really what this means? You know, see, God has an identity in our culture, not because he doesn't know who he is, but because we don't know who he is. See, we've got a world of people that look at God one-dimensionally and think that, you know what? It's that fundamental argument. Man, if God is good, how can he allow this to happen? If God is good... How can he allow these old people in Garden Grove to live till they're 90 and 85 and, and suffer and, and not enjoy the same quality of life that they used to have? See, because that's not my idea of God. And so since that's not my idea of God, I think that I can do a better job at being God than God. Which leads us to the third fundamental problem, and that is that you know there are many of us who really do believe that we care more about people than God does. And so we need to be reminded of this fundamental truth, and that is that, you know what? God really is concerned for human life. God really is concerned for human life. God really cares about people. God cares about that old couple in Garden Grove. He cared about them. God cares about all those who are struggling here on earth. God cares about those who are suffering. God cares about those who are, are in misery. <clears throat> you know, the, the, God cares. But some of us believe that we care more than God does. Stop and think about it. Somewhere along the line, we bought into this lie that somehow people care more about people than God will ever care about people. Somehow we, we bought into the lie that well, while God will allow someone to suffer, God will allow somebody to get, grow old, God will allow somebody to get a disease, God will allow someone to have a mental handicap of some sort or a physical disability, or God would allow someone to be born into poverty, you know what? We're somehow more caring in that we would choose to put such a person out of his or her misery. You see how the argument goes? Aren't we gracious? Sometimes it takes a sick joke to kind of put it all back into perspective for me. This past Christmas, I got a card from an anonymous admirer. I choose to believe they were admirer. And closed with a gift certificate. It read this. Good for one free office visit to see Dr. Jack Kevorkian. Now, I think it was a joke. I'll just turn it into something that maybe it wasn't intended to be, but... That's the kind of, you know, Jay Leno commented not too long ago. Here's what he said. On Dr. Kevorkian, he lost his life medical license. It was revoked. And he said, man, think about it. A suicide doctor practicing without a license. <laughs> he goes, that's really dangerous. Someone could get killed. Someone could get killed. Man, you know, it's sick. But, you know, stop and think about it. Aren't many of the arguments that are used by those in favor of abortion and euthanasia dripping with so-called concern and compassion for the one perceived to be suffering? Isn't that true? Shouldn't have to suffer. Quality of life. Better to be, better, you know, to abort than to be born into a world like ours. Better than to be born into poverty or into a family that doesn't really love them. Isn't that better? See, you see how the mentality goes? Don't we care more if we did this? Don't I care more for you if I would just kill you because, you know what, I, I don't want to take a chance on you having, you know, a rough life ahead of you? I am being very compassionate and concerning. And the reason that I'm so concerned is because I don't believe God's concerned. But you know what, that's not what the Bible teaches, does it? Matthew 6, 25 and 26 relates back to Genesis 1 and 2 from the creation standpoint. And sometimes we need to be reminded, and this is what God says. Therefore, Jesus says, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't store in barns. And you know what? Your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? See how it goes back to the beginning? Don't you remember in the beginning, 
I created all this for your enjoyment, for you to have dominion, and for them to teach you about my character. Don't you think you're more important to me than birds or grass or lilies or any plant or any vegetable or any tree or anything? Don't you think that? Don't you know that? Don't you understand that? Have you gotten so far away from this truth that you're confused about this? Well, let me remind you one more time. I am concerned about you. God is more concerned about people than he is about seals and dolphins and whales and owls and trees and rainforests and all those things that we're so shook up about and concerned about. And I'm not advocating that we shouldn't be responsible stewards of the resources that God has given to provide for us. All I'm saying is it's time that we get back to the basics in our culture and recognize that human beings are much more important than things. That's where we're messed up. And that's why we're running into the problems that we're running into because we have forgotten all these truths. We've forgotten that God creates life. We're forget we've forgotten the fact that God really is in control of life. And we've forgotten the fact that God is concerned for human life. How concerned is God for your life? How concerned is God for the people around you? You know how concerned he is? Not only did he make you in his image and his likeness, but he also sent his son to die on the cross for your sins and for my sins and whoever would believe in him so that they would not perish, they would come to know to have eternal life and they would get to spend eternity with God where there will be no more suffering, there will be no more sorrow, there will be no more sickness and illness and disease and death. And you know what God does in his graciousness and love and his concern for humanity because he realized the soul lives forever? He allows us to go through difficult things on this earth so that we will look up to Him and seek Him out and look for Him and cry out for a Savior because we need Him. And that's when God in His compassion and all His concern and His care for humanity is doing everything that He can to draw people to Christ. And if it means they're born blind or handicapped or retarded or they get hurt or they get a disease or whatever it is that God has to do to accomplish his overall objective, then praise God because he's doing it out of love and concern and compassion. If it means he lets you grow till you're 98 years old and you're frail and you're miserable and you can't stand it anymore and you cry out for the Lord and it took 98 years for you to do that, it means that he was compassionate and long-suffering that he would allow you and be patient with you for 98 years until you finally bowed your knee to him and accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You see, the problem in our world, when we deny God, we also deny the consequences of living a life that, that's disobedient to him. The problem in our world is that we think we're being more compassionate taking a gun to someone's head that doesn't know Christ so they can spend an eternity in hell and talk about suffering. They ain't never suffered like they're going to suffer for eternity. Do you realize how dangerous all these things are? Do you realize how, how frightening it is? And it's true. God cares more about people than we will ever know. And he's demonstrated it and he's proven it and that he sent his son from heaven to this earth to die a painful death on the cross to shed his blood for the sins of the world as long as those who would believe would believe. You see, this is really what it boils down to when you think about all these issues. You know what? what do, how do you apply all of this stuff? How do you apply it in a conversation with somebody else so that it makes sense? You know what we need to do? We need to reintroduce God to our nation. We really do. We need to reintroduce them to people around us. We need to make them become aware of the fact that God creates human life. Now, now, see, here's the scary thing. I realize that the majority of Americans still profess a belief in God. But my question really remains this. Well, how does your belief in God affect how you live your life? Gallup polls are taken. Harris polls are taken. All the majority of people in our country still believe in God. Then what's wrong with our country? If the majority of people believe in God, we're living their lives as if they really believe God. We wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. It's God's people who better wake up and start applying the truths that they learn. It all starts within the house of God. You better wake up, I better wake up, and begin to realize that God creates human life. As a result, I teach those around me that it's God who creates human life, and really it's not an issue of what do I think, what would I do, it doesn't matter, God did it. It's his program, it's his choice. I cannot play God, there's only one God. And he's doing a wonderful job if we would just take the time to recognize him for who he is. We need to also understand that God's in control over human life. 
What a wonderful opportunity it is to minister to somebody who's going through a difficult time, whose child has a problem, whose parent has a problem, whose friend has a problem, or something is going on in their life and it's causing them to reevaluate what life is all about. Where did I come from? What am I doing here? Where am I going? It gives you and I an opportunity because we know the truth to say, you know what? God's trying to get your attention. Don't you see? You're not in control over everything. You don't have power over everything. You need to turn to God. He loves you and he's doing everything that he can to get your attention. It's like, man, alive. You know what? We have opportunity after opportunity with everything that's going on in our world to be able to share that with people and to tell them, you know what? There's no one more concerned for you than God. God cares. He's trustworthy. He's faithful. He's patient. He's loving. He's good. God loves people. We need to shout it as loud as anybody will let us shout it. And when they don't want us to shout it, then we need to tell them to get out of the way because we're going to shout it again. And we need to let people know and acknowledge the fact that God loves people more than we'll ever know. And that we don't have the right to alter or to abolish anything that God has ordained. But let me tell you one other thing that I really believe is coming to a point where we need to understand it, recognize it. Do you realize that framers of our Constitution said that we as a people have a right to alter or to abolish government and to institute new governments, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect our safety and our happiness? That we the people have a right in our country to be able to go back to biblical principles and say, you know what, this government program, this government agency is in violation of the principles of God. And we have a right and an opportunity to change it, to turn it back toward God, to be able to reinstitute the principles that our framers penned when they say we hold these truths to be self-evident. Self-evident that all people have a right to life. And it's not the quality of life that's an argument. Forget it. That's not the issue. It's a fundamental right to life. God creates it. God controls it. And God is more concerned about it than you, and ever I, you or I could ever pretend to be. The next time we come together, we'll be able to look at, well, how does that relate to the issues that we're dealing with in our culture? Let's pray. Father, thanks for this opportunity to uh, just get back to some basics, some fundamentals to recognize that you are the creator of life, to praise you as Daniel did, that you are the creator of life, that you're all-knowing, that you're all-powerful, that you're patient, that you're faithful, that you're compassionate. God, help us to see as your people how true all those attributes really are. God, help us not to play God and to take issues into our hand that are truly only yours. God, help us to remain humble before you because you tell us that you're opposed to the proud, but you give grace to the humble. God, and it really does take humility to recognize that we're not in control of our destiny, that you are, that our life, our very breath is in your hands. And if you decided to remove it at this moment, all of us would return to dust, and we just praise you and thank you that you've given us this gift of life. God, help us to be people that honor and hold in high esteem those around us because they, like us, were given life by you. God, we just thank you for this time and we pray that in some way that we can make a difference in the world that we live in by understanding and knowing your truth so that we can be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us. And we just thank you and praise you in Christ's name. Amen.